Welcome to Giving Connected, presented by Paisa Giving. We're happy you're able to join us today. Giving Connected was created to bring awareness to great nonprofits around the country. Hey everybody, we're excited to be joined with the Executive Director of Glacier, Doug Mitchell. Hey Doug, how's it going? Hey, great. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, we're really excited. Um, you know, really fun uh, nonprofit that uh, we were excited to, I think, uh, this is kind of the, the second or third interview that I really wanted to do, and, and I know Doug's a very busy guy, so I'm excited to have us on. Um, kind of just getting into it, um, before we jump into what Glacier does and, and you know how they help support, um, what, let's talk about a little bit about you. Um, how did you get started? Uh, where did you grow up, and um, how did the nonprofit world come to you? Yeah, you know, um, so my it's kind of a it's a couple's story, like a lot of stories are. Uh, my wife grew up uh, right here in uh, Glacier Country. Uh, grew up hiking in the park uh, from probably the age of four on. Um, it's a big thing for them. Um, I grew up in Northern California in Marin County, um, and she and I met in college um, at Stanford. And the rest, as they say, is history, right? Um, to be able to then have the experience as I did coming up as um, as a college student to visit her and her family and get to hike in the park. I had that kind of aha moment that so many people have when they go to a special place like Glacier. And for us, it's Glacier. For many other people, it might be Grand Tetons or, or it could be, you know, hiking the Appalachian Trail, right? It's one of the great things about the national park movement and the open space movement in America is we have collectively as a country protected so much um, land that we can as a people uh, enjoy. And, and I think over this last year, right, we were, we were really reminded of the power, the restorative power, if you will, of those special places. So, um, so I came to this from an urban background, right, growing up just outside San Francisco, 17 miles from the Golden Gate Bridge, where parks really weren't a par- part of my day-to-day life. Um, met this with woman and my life partner, um, who now 37 plus years of wedded bliss later, um, we were in a place in our life to be able to give back to a place that has given us so much. So when the Glacier National Park Conservancy executive director job came open in 2017, we looked at each other and said, this is perfect. This is a great opportunity for us to give back to a place that has given um, us so much. And through our careers, we've always been involved in service. I think if people talk about Doug and Julie Mitchell, you know, who are they? They say, boy, they're just people who dive in and serve their communities, whether it's my wife being the chairman of the school board here for many, many years, whether it's work we've done um, in, in public service, both of us work for um, um, our former senior United States Senator Max Baucus. So we, we, we feel really privileged to be able, be able to have um, lived a life of service and at the advanced age of 60 um, to be able to still have a new job that feels fresh and new and is a place where I hope this to be my last job where I can give back something to a place that's given us so much. Yeah, and I think that that's awesome. I think one thing that we've said pretty much in every single episode is that word selflessness, right? Um, yeah. Kind of that 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 spirit of kind of giving back and that, uh, that awesome spirit. And I think one question that I have is, did you... Did you have any formal nonprofit training before that, or is this was that the first kind of one that you jumped into? No, so I didn't have really any formal nonprofit training. Um, you know, I'm a fuzzy studies guy, so I have um, uh, I studied economics and political science, um, and 
Uh, those have come in handy to some extent. Started our career, we actually moved to Washington, D.C. I worked in the as a staff member in the House. Uh, my wife worked in, as a staff member in the Senate. Um, and so we came to the nonprofit world first as, as donors, um, as people who uh, participated either as volunteers or, you know, as young people with small donations. Um, but I also then got involved in the nonprofit community um, early on in my career as managing director of the Montana Land Reliance, which is um, the largest, um, you know, private land conservation um, land trust in, in America, um, you know, with the Nature Conservancy, um, over a million acres of private land conserved in, in Montana. And that was really where I learned, I guess, my bones about um, what it is to operate a nonprofit. Um, and so that was a, a great opportunity to be able to be in a similar space, an environmental space, if you will, of land protection, but in a very different model, which is a private model of private lands. And now I'm on the other side on helping the park, helping the National Park Service preserve these public lands. That's really awesome. So um, can you just tell us a little bit about how you actually got, uh, tell us, or I guess tell us a bit about how, what Glacier does, you know, their mission, um, the history of how Glacier started, and what's the main focus of that organization? Yeah, so the, the Glacier National Park Conservancy, um, we're, we are the official nonprofit partner of Glacier National Park. Right. So and that will be the case for almost every park that your listeners know and love, that if they strip down the onion one layer, they're going to find that there's a friends group. So in Yellowstone, that's Yellowstone forever. At Acadia National Park, it's the Friends of Acadia. And it has become the case over a number of years that um, the National Park Service Department of Interior has realized that there are certain things that they would like to do to add what our superintendent, Jeff Mass calls the margin of excellence in parks, that taxpayer funds and gate fees don't have enough money to support. And so nonprofits have come forward to um, help fill that gap, if you will, and to provide um, support for projects from uh, educational programming. In our case, we, we do a lot of educational programming with the park, field trips for kids, citizen science programs. We run the large, longest, help them run the, the longest standing um, Native American program in a national park in America, Native America Speaks. And it's, it's so, so it's great to be able to add value on the education side. We help preserve trails, um, do scientific research. Um, so we at the Glacier National Park Conservancy have that role. But if you look at your local park, you're going to find that behind the curtain, there is a volunteer uh, driven, uh, private philanthropic division uh, driven organization like ours um, that is helping provide uh, that margin of excellence. Um, they're actually in generally in parks, not that we need to, to go too far down this road, but generally there are four organizations that have agreements with national parks. There's one for volunteers. That's the Glacier, in our case, the Glacier National Park Volunteer Associates. Um, there is one for education, um, and that's actually running educational programming in the park. And, and in our case, that's the Glacier Institute. We work very closely with both of those nonprofits. And then there is um, the federal government doesn't sell stuff. So a nonprofit, if you go to the visitor center and you want to buy a book or a water bottle or a bear spray, that will be a nonprofit. In that case, that's the Glacier National Park Conservancy in our case. Uh, and then there is a private just fundraising partner. And that is also us. So as of those four cooperative agreements in Glacier, we hold two of them. 
Wow. That's really awesome. So um, for those of you who haven't actually been to Glacier National Park, it's pretty astounding, um, the views and what you can see there. And I actually drove through and was there for a little bit but um and was able to see it a little bit um in my travels and it's amazing i mean just like i I think i I couldn't even put into words um you know just how incredible it is but you know obviously in this last year um during covid it's been harder to get out and get away from home and kind of we've all seemed to be kind of stuck in some of the places we're at but um, how has Glacier been impacted by COVID, I guess? Um, and wh- how does it work during COVID to actually be able to go out and see the park? Were people able to do that? Yeah, all the parks, as you know, for a period of time, they were all closed um, as we were trying to all figure out what this what transmission looked like, right? If you can't have restrooms that are open, then obviously you can't have a park that's open. Once we started to suss out that this was an airborne thing. And if you did masking and social distancing, that there was probably some some relative safety to that. The park uh, was able to open um, on the west side of Glacier Park. Like most parks, we have one road that goes through the park. It's the magnificent Going to the Sun Road, um, opened in 1934. And it's uh, it goes uh, from St. Mary on the east side to West Glacier on the west. St. Mary on the east side is in the middle of the Blackfeet Reservation. And um, as you know, uh, native populations were, were specifically hard hit by COVID. So they made the decision early on to close um, that entry, close the Backfleet Reservation and hence close that entry and exit to and from the park. And so that really cut down uh, the ability of travelers to obviously be able to, it's now a cul-de-sac or was last summer. There was a turnaround where you could only go in and out. So even though visitation was down over the last four years, we've averaged 3 million visitors. Give you a sense, that's the population of Chicago. There are only 10 cities in America that have more than a million people in them. Um, And Glacier National Park in Montana, with Montana as a total population of 1 million, has averaged 3 million visitors just in Glacier Park um, over the last four years. Now that number was down significantly in 2020, but because of the road issues, there was a lot more congestion. Um, and visitation, people were great. They were, they were cautious. A lot of the hotels were unable to open. They just didn't feel safe or they were on the east side of the, ho- of the park and didn't have access to that. So visitation was down, congestion was up. Um, and so we had people being super cautious. Rangers were cautious. Our teams in the retail stores um, were cautious. We only allowed a certain number of people in the store at one time. Everyone had to wear a mask. Uh, but again, you're if you've got to stand online, as people say, and you get to look at the magnificence of Glacier National Park, yeah, you might have to wait 15 or 20 minutes in line to get in, in the store. But what a great place to wait. And so people were people were super, um, you know, understanding about it. Um, obviously, it had a huge impact on our operations. Um, and uh, and that then trickles down to what we're able to do with the park. But that said, our uh, donors stuck with us for sure. Our donations were only down 8% last year, which is shocking, uh, given uh, the impact we thought that we would have. And our ability to give money to the park was great. We're still going to average over $2 million a year of grants to the park to pay for projects that would not happen without private philanthropy. That's awesome. So in the park, when uh, someone does buy anything, it does it, does that also go as a form of donation? 
Correct. So all of our, um, that, that's kind of the neat part of this, right? We, so you go to Logan Pass and um, it was 60 degrees when you left your hotel and it's 38 degrees and snowing at Logan Pass and you need to buy a, a hoodie and some bear spray. Um, the profits from that all go right back to the park um, to the, through the work of the Glacier Conservancy. So that's all a, a 501c3 um, organization that we operate on behalf of the park. So the proceeds of that go right back to the park and it's not insignificant. We, you know, in the 2019, um, just in the park stores, we did uh, $4.3 million um, in sales. And so, you know, all the profits of that being able to go back into the work of the park um, is really a great way to support um, uh, the, the work that, um, again, wouldn't happen without those private philanthropic dollars. Yeah. And I think uh, I might need a sweater, so I'm, I'm going to hop onto the, <laughs> I'm going to hop onto the site and, we can we can help you out on glacier.org yeah. uh, we have actually a um every year we we partner um with a with a group called wild tribute an impact based company and um, they come up with a, a t-shirt every year a dated t-shirt for us and this year it's a wolf design it's fabulous um and it'll be on glacier.org here in the next few weeks yeah perfect and one question i have uh, speaking of like the the challenges like COVID, of course, is a challenge that we've seen this year. Um, what are some other challenges that you guys faced uh, in in the years you've you've been um, kind of operating? Um, is it usually a fundraising? Is fundraising usually a challenge? Is it getting people to you know getting that awareness out? What has been uh, a challenge you see year after year? I think one of the, the one of the really big challenges is getting people to know we exist. Um, you know, I think that even people who I will see in the parking lot with their Glacier Conservancy bag coming out of the store, I will say thank you for supporting the park and they will look at me a little strangely and they'll see the logo on my jacket and they'll say, well, I, I just know I just bought these at that store. And I said, yeah, but that store is a nonprofit and the money. Oh, really? I didn't. So who are you? Oh, the Conservancy. Well, I thought that all the fees that we pay at the gate covered all the expenses that happen in the park. I'm able to kind of educate and say, well, when you drove in the park, did they hand you a newspaper that had all the rules, all the maps, all the stuff? Oh yeah, that's great. That was super helpful. I said, well, the, unfortunately, parks in America don't have any money to print that. So we print 2 million of them a year for them to hand to you. So that would, you wouldn't get that. <laughs> but for the, oh, shoot, let me give you, can I give you some money? Can I, I'd love to contribute. So the issue for us is awareness. When I took this job three short years ago, um, we had 3,000 donors and 6,000 people on our email list. Okay, think about that for a minute for a park that has 3 million visitors. This is a numeric mismatch, right? People love Glacier, as you pointed out, it's, it, you can't not. Um, but if you don't know that there is need for support, and you don't know that there's a nonprofit. Um, and again, we don't want to spend a lot of money. It would be foolish for us to spend a lot of money on promotion because that's money we can't give to the park. Our goal isn't to get bigger and have good radio ads and TV ads and web ads. Our goal is to give money to the park. And so I try and have as little overhead as possible so that I can have as much money go to the park. So um, awareness really, I think is, is the key issue. Once people realize we exist and why we exist, they are very quick to say, oh shoot, let me, let me give you $10 a month as a recurring gift or send me a thing every December. And I'd like to make a gift. I'd like to, you know, plant a tree of remembrance in the park for my deceased mom or whatever it is. Um, once people get it, um, they're happy to give. Yeah, and I think that's something that me and Prince have fallen a part of. I think mm -hmm. we've, we've interviewed 
a lot of nonprofits so far, and, and still a lot more. And we've we've seen that we have so much to learn about so many nonprofits, right? Uh, there's so many different good causes that we've never even heard about. Yeah, um, can I kind of go into there as well? So yeah, I think that's definitely okay. important, and hopefully we can do our part to help you guys a little bit. I think it's also an interesting thing to think about. And I've been in a, I've signed the front end of a paycheck more than I've signed the back end. I've owned my own company and and um, and employed people. You know, the issue for for nonprofits in terms of ROI, return on investment, is very different than it is in a business, right? If the three of us decided to start a business and we spent a million dollars and that was going to mean that we made a million and a half dollars, we would do that deal like that in the snap of a finger. Um, in a nonprofit, that's not the way it works, right? I've got to have an ROI. If I'm going to spend a million dollars, I better make $15 million because otherwise I'm spending donor money and I have to have an ROI. I mean, the, the 10% or 12% ROI, which might be fine for a business, is not okay in a nonprofit. It's got to be, you know, 60, 70, 80%. I've got to keep my overhead. You know, I'd love to have it at 25. We're around 30. Um, we're moving downward, which is great. Um, and so the issue about ROI is a very different one. Um, and again, when you get business people and they get to thinking about that, they're like, well, of course, you can't spend a whole bunch of money. Your mission is not to do that. Your mission is to give it away. Um, so that's an interesting for your listeners. I think that's an interesting thing for them to kind of think about because there's a good reason that people don't know about the Glacier Conservancy or Yellowstone Forever because our job isn't that. Our job is to um, it is to uh, make sure that we're giving money to the park. That's awesome. So. Um uh, in your time at Glacier, are there any specific moments that stand out to you, um, whether it's like projects that you worked on or, um, you know, things you've helped coordinate? I mean, what's uh, some of your favorite moments in the time you've been here? Yeah, so it's um, uh, when I first took this job, my my board chair took me aside. I'll never forget it because we were standing um, outside the headquarters and he said, look, this is September uh, late August, early September of 2017. He said, look, first six months. I just want you to soak, just, just soak it in, learn who the people are, you know, let, let's just try not to get ahead of ourselves. You know, it's the end of the year. You should have a really good period of time. Well, we had some fires in the park at the time and, 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 you know, not almost days later, uh, the Sperry Chalet, which is a, a, a historic backcountry chalet, uh, burns to the ground. Uh, it was built in 1913 um, by the Great Northern Railway. Uh, it's an iconic visitation site um, throughout Glacier National Park. And so we're in the park superintendent's office the day after it burns um, saying, what can we do? You clearly aren't going to have, you know, if, if you're going to do a government bid to try and figure out how to keep these stone walls standing of this 1913 structure, it's going to be two years from now before you can figure out how to set them up in the 30 feet of snow that's going to come in. It's going to pancake them. So what can we do today to help you? And they said, we, we probably need to support the walls. So we went literally with our credit card. We have one down to the local lumber store and we bought six inch by six inch wooden timbers, 16 feet long, a hundred of them. They're $141 a piece, by the way. Um, I have no idea. I didn't have the money. I didn't know where I was going to get the money. Um, but without doing that project, we would not have been able to go through a Sperry Chalet rehab project, which took 
two summers. We did it on time, under budget. And um, this year, so I mean, this year being 2020, the Sperry Chalet reopened to guests um, in July. And it really was for me, I mean, that's a lifetime experience. It's a lifetime experience I would have preferred not to have, right? I would prefer that the chalet didn't burn down. But at the same time, it was remarkable to see how nimble a nonprofit could be, make a lifetime difference of whether the project was going to be possible or not possible, and then watch literally thousands of people from around the world, not just in the United States, but around the world, contribute to this effort to rebuild this iconic part of Glacier's history. Um, so, you know, that one, clearly the Sperry Project, and if anybody is curious about that, just, you know, Google Sperry Chalet, yeah. um, and you'll see a remarkable story. Yeah, there's actually, you can, if you go search it online, you can see pictures of uh, the renovation work actually in progress as well with those timbers all there. So you can see that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I still have a few of those timbers. We, we've actually salvaged them when they came out because, um, it, again, it's just an iconic part of of a really exciting project. So I'm still waiting for that six month soak, um, but that's all right. We, uh, we got a good thing done. Yeah, no. And I think it, that just goes to, so there's, especially I advise everybody to just take a look at their website, right? Uh, glacier.org. Um, there's a lot of cool, cool things. There's, there's stuff about supporting and exploring Glacier. Um, there's a cool, there's a cool tab with our work and it kind of says, talks about the project locations, right? And some of the projects they're doing. Um, and, you know, when I initially thought Glacier is like, OK, there's probably just supporting some things, but they're looking at so many different things. Right. There's like mountain goat, goat research. There's, you know, two flat dog uh, recovery, plant recovery. Um, there's a lot of cool things that I wouldn't even um, tell. But um, what are some current projects that uh, you're really, really thinking about this year and kind of uh, f uh, putting a lot of effort into right now? Yeah, we've got a couple this year that I'm super excited about. This is the third year of our Lynx study project. Um, and there's there's some great photos also on, on the site. Um, we are partnering with the park and uh, Washington State University um, has an extraordinary researcher named Alyssa Anderson. Um, this is a three-year study. Science has gone so far, right? Ba back in the day, you'd have had to put a collar on these animals. Now with AI, we're using um, non-invasive uh, cameras on trails. So we have 150 cameras that so far in the two years that Alyssa has been doing this research have captured over 20,000 pictures of animals in Glacier National Park, uh, including a, a, a bunch of lynx, which is great news. There are lynx in Glacier National Park. With climate change, they are very impacted species. So that scientific research is really, really exciting. A, because of links, and we're going to have kind of the seminal link study in America at the end of this year. But keeping in mind all those other photographs we had, other researchers are now leaning in and saying, now, wait a minute, show me some of those so of mountain goat pictures. Where did you find those? And that's very interesting that you found that there. And let me see those grizzly bear pictures. And my, you found a lot of wolverines. And, and so it's also going to spur additional research, we think, um, in that regard. Um, another one I'm personally excited about um, is uh, in this whole idea of sustainability um, and renewables, particularly in Glacier Park, where, where we are the poster child for, you know, climate change, because we're, we are soon in some point in the near future, um, likely to be without glaciers, um, that um, we are helping um, create a more renewable future for the park. This year, for example, we're going to take 
the superintendent's office, the headquarters building, the entire headquarters building of Glacier National Park off the grid by putting solar on, um, on the building. And we're doing that in partnership with um, with a Everybody Solar, which is a, a great no nonprofit who helps nonprofits uh, like ours and the Washington, Dennis and Phyllis Washington Foundation out of Missoula. And, you know, that's one of those things, again, that the park's not going to have $115,000 to invest in doing that. So we can do that for them. And what do they get? A, we become more renewable. That's awesome. But financially, they don't have to pay a $15,000 power bill. So think about what they can do with that money, right? They can have a seasonal ranger for the entire summer who's talking to people about the magnificence of Glacier National Park instead of paying a power bill. And with due respect to my friends in the power and power companies, and I have a lot of them, um, you know, they're all for that too, right? Because we have to grow through savings. There's only a finite amount of power. So it's exciting to be able to be involved in those things that really do provide a game-changing um, outcome for uh, a public place like the park. And, and sure, not a lot of people are going to see these solar panels on the top, but, you know, at the end of the day, they may be impacted by their kids being able to walk up to a ranger and say, I just saw this. It looks like this. What was it? And maybe they get fired up about being the next generation of land stewards because they had a conversation with somebody who wouldn't be there except that we helped the park save money. Yeah. And I think uh, for, for viewers, that Everybody Solo was our second podcast interview. And, and Miriam is, is a great person. Um, listen to that interview and and she's a one that kind of told us about glacier and the, the great work we do uh they they do and uh i think we we've kind of seen that um so uh definitely definitely important to support i think that 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 uh resource of off of regular energy and kind of renewables is so important right you can yeah. free up so much that they can that can use now yeah more money can go to like doug was saying that money can go to be used in other ways that are more beneficial to all of us and the park as a whole um, so, yeah, for sure. Doug, can you just, uh, for the edification of our listeners, can you just kind of tell them how can they get connected with Glacier? Uh, with Glacier? What is the best way for them uh, to support Glacier? Um, and just, you know, how, how can we get connected? Yeah, you know, Glacier.org, we, we've worked really hard on our on our site to make it a place where you can go, where people can go to, um, to um, learn about us, but also learn about the park. Um, we're also very active on, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, so, you know, we really try and be able to be a resource for people, um, that, you know, you can go on and look at the web, you know, we, we were talking earlier that, you know, I had a, my zoom background today was, was a live webcam picture, um, from Glacier. You can be in Glacier any day you want, just go to glacier.org. Um, and, and you can find the webcams and look at live webcams. Um, you, you, know, you ask about, you know, what, what should I bring to the park? Um, those kinds of things. Um, and also you'll learn about what we're doing and how you can, um, support what we're doing. Sign up for our, uh, newsletters. You'll get a welcome series from my friend, Gracie, the bark ranger. Um, uh, Gracie, uh, is, is really another great project that we supported, um, to, who is a, is a dog. Um, and she, Gracie helps keep animals and humans uh, having safe interactions. And so Gracie will guide uh, people who sign up for our email um, and a welcome series about who we are, what the park is, how we collaborate. So we try and make it pretty easy, non-threatening. You know, you're not going to get a million emails asking you for money every day. Um, but if uh, the coalition, the willing, 
uh, folks want to support us, that's uh, super awesome. And again, you can also do that by buying retail. So you can, you know, get something back uh, for your for your contribution as well. Yeah, I got to say they, they have some good looking mugs on their website. So uh, sweaters, jackets, so definitely another easy way to, to support. Um, kind of a, a fun last question. Uh, you know, we talked about what Glacier, you know, the founding and how it's been through the years. Um, what does the future look like? Is it going to be some, somewhat similar, just kind of pushing um, the same activities? Do you seem like, do you think it's going to, anything's going to change? Uh, what, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, you know, if there are silver linings in what we've been through over the last year, I think one of them has been this, um, this um, speeding up of our acceptance of, of digital interaction, right? We all knew that Skype existed for 10 years, right? And we would reluctantly use it. Um, now we, you know, Zoom uh, game night. Um, and at the Conservancy and at the park, that's really changed. So this year, we knew we weren't going to be able to have student field trips, right? We being the park and the Conservancy. So instead of just doing nothing, we said, how can we innovate? Well, they said we should, instead of bringing kids to rangers, let's bring rangers to kids. So what do we have? We had a 700% increase in uh, digital learning. Um, through Glacier National Park, being in classrooms in Chicago and in New York and in California and in West Glacier um, as well. And that's really helped us turn the switch. At the Conservancy, I started, I'm a big reader. And I, so I started a Glacier book club last year in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and with fairly limited, um, you know, goals. And it's been remarkable. Um, every month we get together, we talk about a book with the author of that book. And, um, you know, the one I am hosting uh, here in, in March um, is uh, a book called People Before the Park uh, by Sally Thompson. It's about, you know, Na Native American culture, obviously, our, the, the land on which Glacier currently sits is Blackfeet, Salish, Kootenai, um, Ponderay land. And um, we already have 120 people signed up for that. They've bought 100 books. That's great for the park because money goes back to the park. And... Um, we'll have people from 10, 12, 15, 20 states. Um, and so I think this, it's it really expanded, right? The reach of the conversation and the access of people. Some of the people that, that are active in the book club, their days of hiking are over. You know, they worked in the park in 1965. They love the park. They miss the park. Um, and, and now they can be in the park, if you will. Um, with friends and rangers, and we always bring you know, the superintendent participates now online. So I think a lot of this is going to be interesting as we uh, are able to engage uh, a community more fully. Um, and accessibility is a huge part of that, right? There are other people who can't get to the park because the park isn't accessible for them. This is accessible to, to everyone. So that's an exciting uh, part of the future. I think that we'll um, also see growth. We are expecting visitation to be perhaps bigger than it's ever been before in the park this summer. And uh, I think part of that is that we have a renewed interest as people in being outside. And in, the, in those, you know, as you guys know from being out in parks, there is this, both this peace and serenity, and there's also this grace and majesty right? You, you feel this bigness, 
but you also feel this smallness. And I think that people have really latched onto that, whether it might be even their local trail system or a national park or a state park or state forest, national forest. And I think that we're going to see increases both in in-person opportunities and we're going to see increases in this digital space as well, which, which I'm super excited about. And when I can share the story of Glacier, um, I'm a happy guy. <laughs> That's great to hear. And yeah, I would definitely encourage you, those of you who are listening, if you have not gotten out to uh, Glacier or just a national park in general, I would encourage you guys to do it because it is definitely a life-changing experience. Overwhelming. Yeah, Yeah. it's very overwhelming and in a good way, overwhelming. I mean, uh, that's like, I think the first time I ever went to like the Grand Canyon or uh, even when I was at Yellowstone, I mean, I remember how like awestruck I was by like you said, like majesty and like how big it is. And, but yet I like feeling so small as well. So it's kind of uh it's very, very like, I, I guess I would say life-changing, you know? And, and there's a great way to do that. You know, the, the national park service um, has fee free days every year. There are a number of them. I think there are six this year. Um, first one's always Martin Luther King day. Um, so that's already obviously passed, but you know, just go fee free days, national park. They're the same everywhere. And then parks may add one um, like, hundredth anniversary of Glacier Park or whatever. Um, But, you know, then you don't even have to worry about the fee, right? Right. Just go on fee free day and see if you like it, see what you like. Um, And then if you want to buy an annual pass, you know, there's great ways to do that. You can just go online um, and buy a national pass and it's good for the entire year for every national park, every national forest. Um, It's one of America's, if national parks are America's best idea, says Ken Burns, um, you know, that pass may be America's best bargain. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Very true. Um, Doug, we just want to thank you for uh, the time that you took to just talk to us about Glacier and the mission that they have and, uh, you know, the work that you're doing with them. And um, for those of you who are listening, we'd encourage you guys to check out their website, their social media. Um they're doing something that's very impactful, bringing a lot of awareness to the park and their mission is something that we should all definitely um, support. And uh, you can learn more about that on their website. Um, yep. Doug, we just want to thank you for the time this morning. Thank you, guys. Hey guys, we're glad you were able to join us today and listen to our interview with Doug from Glacier. It was really cool to be able to learn about their organization and the work that they're doing at Glacier National Park. Yeah, and I think there's so much that we can support them with, right? Um, and if you guys want to support, there's the, the donate option. There's, you know, you can shop on their website. Um, you can pick up a sweater. Or you know, even and go and visit the park. Yeah, and visit the park. Um, I mean, it's going to probably be worth the time and money you, whatever you spend into that as well. So, uh, you know, if you want to, if you've been liking these episodes, if you want to, um, you know, support us as well, you can subscribe to Giving Connected. Um, you can follow our Paisley Giving page that's on our social media. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, um, you can contact us uh, below. We'll have the just, we'll have our uh, contact information in the podcast. We're going to be joined next week by Pierre with Endangered Species International. That podcast will be available next Monday. This has been Prince and Joel with Giving Connected. <laughs>